With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's said that Christmas and WrestleMania come but once a year, but you can tell the boys at Line of Vienna Pod, we're here for you every single week with the latest amount of the delightful ear noise for your delight and your delectation. This week, there's no Wanderers game, as we all know, so it's a little bit boring. Um, but that doesn't mean we're not going to provide you with yet another hour, hour and a half, two hours worth of quality, quasi Bolton Wanderers based chat from uh, four of your favourite writers including me, of course. So, to start off, we're going to dive straight into the international break. Um, recently, I don't know about over in the America, Dennis, but we had a solar eclipse um, in, in the UK, which is a, a bit of an unusual occurrence. Now, um, this is a tenuous link to a game in which both Josie Altidore and Nicholas Bentner both scored the goal. But how about you get, give us a quick two-minute preview, uh, review sorry, of Denmark against the USA and, uh, and how our boy Tim Ream got on, Dennis? Yeah, our boy Tim Ream did not get off the substitutes bench, unfortunately. Um, oh, great. He really is a bit of a ways down the pecking order in the, the U.S. team. He's kind of been in yeah. and out of the squad for the last two years. So, um, hi, Mom. <laughs> oh, my God. He's done it, me. Does she want to be on the pod? <laughs> So Dan's just having some family issues over there, but um, at any rate, so I think the the U.S. <laughs> manager, Jurgen Klinsmann, doesn't particularly rate the, the championship in general, so he tends to be pretty reluctant to call players up that are on uh, championship sides. But um, So who does, who, does he play, who does he play at left, back, and centre-half, then that Liam's competing with then? Um, well, he's got a, a couple guys that are based based in Germany. They get a lot of time there. He's got a couple of MLS-based guys that'll get yeah. time there. Um, I don't follow the team as closely as I used to, so I'm not as good with the names as I might have been. But um, Yeah. I think John Brooks is one, isn't he? He plays for Hertha Berlin. Yeah, he's in Berlin. You'll also see uh, Jermaine Jones has been playing more at center back. I think he's ah, he's okay. gone back to the the MLS now. Um, yeah, he was always a, always a midfielder when he played in Germany and when he played for Blackburn as well for a short time. Yeah, it's it's strange. The last uh, the last two years or so, we've seen a lot of the a lot of the U.S. players return to the MLS. I don't know. I think the um, the pay structure in the MLS has improved a lot, so they can make a decent yeah. amount of money. I mean, it used to be really poor. They were making, they'd make as much for the whole season as they'd make in a week playing over in yeah. Europe. So, I think the fa- there, was a, there was a famous uh, statistic, I don't know if it was true or not, about Stuart Holden, that when he was in MLS, 
his annual pay was uh, was sixty thousand dollars. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I've seen it written a few times now. If you can imagine that, he probably made that in a month at Bolton. Yeah, same with Tim Ream. Tim Ream's. Uh, I think it was said that Tim Ream's first two weeks at Bolton, he made more than he'd made the previous season in the MLS. Yeah. So I think it's it's increased a bit from there. So now you're seeing more U.S. players return to the U.S. Um, I think in the time of their careers as well. I mean, that, that's an unusual one. It used to be a, a case of uh, you know, Jacoby Jones and people like that when they were 36, 37. But now you've got Michael Bradley and um, Brandon Donovan staying in, in America for a decent part of his career as well because the wages are competitive. Well, different reasons for Donovan than for everyone else. All right, okay. You have to maybe elaborate on that in a future pod. For... Uh, he, well, <laughs> to make the long story short, he gets homesick. Um, oh, all right, okay. LA is a very nice place. That's understandable. Yeah, but no, it's not. Landon Donovan, <laughs> for for all the success he had, was never really beloved as a player. Right. And a lot of it was because people felt like he was uh, he was he was not very tough. <laughs> you know, when the when the going got tough, he quit. So okay. That was kind of, you know, he'd come, he'd go over and it'd be fine to go over for a loan period in the MLS offseason for a couple months, but anything beyond that, he'd uh, he'd just sort of fold. That's, that's strange, because I know he was very highly thought of at Everton. Well, that's the thing, that he came he would, he would came over for that loan, that first loan and was phenomenal for a couple months, mm. and they wanted to sign him permanently, but it was a non-starter, because he didn't want to leave the U.S. full-time. Fun. Was he not at Bayern Munich, Dennis? At one point, did he did he sign for Bayern Munich? And he's early early in the career. He signed for Bayern right. Munich very young, his first professional contract, and um, basically spent one miserable miserable year there. Then was loaned back to to MLS. Was actually on loan from Bayern at MLS for a couple of seasons. Well, lads, I don't mean to be a, a know-it-all, because I know that's not my style. I know that's what I'm not famous for. But uh, Wikipedia tells me he's actually Bayer Leverkusen he started his career at. Ah. In between that, 2009, he spent six months at Bayern Munich before spending the next two seasons on loan at Everton. So, yeah, Germany, the trip, little uh, three-season trip to San Jose, nine years in LA, interspersed with uh, Munich and Merseyside. Quite the cultural hotspot. <laughs> I think that. I could have sworn it was Bayern Munich both times in Germany. I'm not. Well, I'm not Dennis, about I, that. I don't mean to insult your intelligence, but Wikipedia doesn't tell lies. Well, not my intelligence, <laughs> just my memory. <laughs> At any rate, um, the U.S. could not prevent the great Nicholas Bentner from scoring a hat trick that allowed uh, Denmark to come away three-two winners. I'm sure Tim Ream would have prevented at least one of those goals. Yeah, I think I landed a, a Nicholas spent the hat trick one of the signs of the apocalypse, I think, I'm sure. <laughs> and Josie Altador scoring as well. Yeah. That's right, that's right. At any rate, that's uh you know, a friendly so, yeah, not, so not really not a big deal for the US, yeah. but not a good result at any rate. On the other hand, quite a good result for England. Um, Dan, you wanna tell us a little bit about their win over Lithuania? 
Yeah, it's fairly routine victory. It wasn't exactly the most thrilling of games. We started really well. Rooney was Rooney playing from his way's best start, and he scored, hit the bar about twice, I believe, and was playing really well. But the real story is, of course, the boy wonder Harry Kane, who's just come out of nowhere and done really well. And I, I think Kane scoring was probably the first goal I celebrated since, first England goal I celebrated since um, Sterling's, which didn't go in against Italy. And um, but yeah, it's just. Like I've never really cared about Fenlis, but seeing Kane, who just seems so down to earth, just so normal, who was utterly shite for about three years, going on loads at various championship clubs and coming out of nowhere to be the best striker in Premier League and England's new hope, it's quite, it's quite a nice story to see, isn't it? Agree fully. It's interesting, isn't it, that he spent a couple of years down in the Championship, much in the way that uh, that Wanderers have taken advantage of one or two players in the last couple of years too, but. I don't think anybody predicted his rise. Well, maybe Tim Sherwood after after Junior. He's got uh, he knows everything. That guy. He'll be taking credit for it. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, claiming an assist, I believe, for that goal. But uh, as always, there was no Bolton players involved in England. Well, old Gary got the armband on, which is always nice to see. But um, on to like more Bolton players. I believe Bogdan, as we thought he'd start when the last episode of the podcast. But um, no, he's on the bench again. Who's who's in the, the goal instead of him? Pajama man, Gabriel Kiralia, Kiralia. Yeah, that was, that was the expectation, wasn't it? He making his bloody sideshow over in Hungary at the moment, and, um, playing his pajamas. Yeah, and then um, old boy, the person who we don't really know much about, Simeon Slavchev, got more game time for his country than he did for his club as he came on for the five five uh, final five minutes for Bulgaria's quite impressive two to draw of Italy. However, then in the end, uh, but um, obviously then Slavchev came on to see the point out, and well, he didn't see it again, so that can only be a positive sign. It'd be nice to see him play for Bolton at some point. More than yeah, I suspect that when the uh, when the league the league table and the league position becomes a bit clearer, we might see him in the last couple of games. Same with Twardzik, same with one or two others who've maybe uh, disappointed to, to well, we would have been disappointed not to play. Uh, I should think we'd see them at least get a couple of games before the end of the season. Mm. Yeah, but I think uh, Barry Bannon was a bit more important today. What do you think, Lee? Yeah, he, um, well, he came on when they were cruising. To be honest, uh, I think I think there were four one up. Yeah, there were four one up when he came on, and um, uh, he just uh, he just buzzed around the pitch like he does for us. And he straight away he uh, he tried a, a volley from the edge of the area, which went a little bit high wide and not so very handsome. But a couple of minutes later, he played a smashing through ball for uh, Fletcher. Who uh, was it? I think it might have been for Rhodes, and Rhodes smashed it wide. Yeah, well, I think it was Rhodes, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah and um, he, uh, and then a couple of minutes later, he, he sort of got got the ball, drove forward in midfield, played it out wide to uh, to Rhodes, and then Rhodes crossed for Fletcher to score the fifth. And then a few minutes later, he, again, he was really heavily involved, um, and he sort of nicked the ball off a Gibraltar defender, which. You know, really, I could do that more than likely, but um, he sort of stepped inside and played a, played a fairly simple ball to Fletcher in a bit of space, and he just side footed it in for their sixth. So, so really, he had like an indirect assist and an assist, um, and then he tried a, an audacious overhead, which I think he was, a, like, say, a couple of inches taller. He might have, uh, he might have pulled <laughs> that off as well. So um, he was really involved. He really impressed me anyway, and like, like he has done for for us really. Um, he, he, he was even. It's obviously. It's a lovely time to come on in the game when you're 4-1 up, 4-1 up against a tiring pub team. Uh, and, you know, 
I think I could have impressed coming on in that game, and I'm I'm pretty good at <laughs> football. So when did, uh, you when know, did Gibraltar nice, even nice cameo. get admitted to UEFA? Did I, is that well, this, this was their <laughs> first ever goal today, Dennis. This is the first ever yeah. time they've even scored a goal today. Never mind playing it, the game. The um, I think it was last year they started playing the first officials game because the first game they actually drew nil nil with Slovenia, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, right? yeah. and it's friendly. Um, I think, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sat here at like a few yards away from me, but Gibraltar shirt that's hanging up in my wardrobe, so I've got a vested interest. Yeah. There's an interesting bit about that. As far as I'm aware as well, they can qualify for the European Championship, but because they're not a member of FIFA, they can't yeah. enter the World, World Cup qualifying. Oh, really? so yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah. There's a really interesting piece on the, the, ta- the Times Football, I think it's called. I'll put a link to it in the uh, show notes, and it's talking all about Gibraltar. This struggle to get um, get recognised by FIFA and UEFA, and it's actually quite interesting uh, the story of how they've got to where they are. Yeah, there are several of the um, Caribbean islands that are considered nations and play in the the Concacaf competition, the Gold Cup, but that are not eligible for for World Cup as well. So yeah, you'll see that from time to time. One of them is uh, will be Guyana, won't it? With uh, with Neil over there, Danzi. So uh, that he might be a guy. Guyana are obviously eligible for the World Cup, though, aren't they? I think, but uh, yeah. yeah, who knows? But yeah. it's more like I think um, a lot of the like some of the islands that are controlled by Netherlands or France yeah. or England, for that matter. I think they're in the the Concacaf competitions, but not the the FIFA ones. Yeah, like Dutch, Suriname, and countries yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Dan's kicks off about half one. In the morning, uh, tomorrow morning, um, for, for Guyana for his first appearance. So we'll have to see how he, how he gets on in that and see how he fares. So he should, yeah, should stand out, you would, you would have thought. But. You would have thought so. I'm not sure about the quality of any, any other people in the Guyana squad. I know there's one or two uh, yeah. foreign reserve players or, or you know other sort of no-marks from the, the Championship yeah. League one. So Matthew you Briggs. Be, uh, yeah. Is yeah. he play for Millwall at the moment, I think, or someone like that? Um, used to be Colchester. I think Colchester. He was the youngest ever player to play in the Premier League under Fulham. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that's right. Got a bit right, of pedigree. Yeah. 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 Played for Watford as well, I believe. Wishing well. Right. I'm looking forward to seeing Dan's does actually, because you'd have suspected he'd be one of the better players there. And if he's given the, uh, the, the freedom to just roam about, I can see him knocking a few wins, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, it'd be yeah. quite interesting because I know we've discussed in the past about whether he's uh, he, he's wasted playing that that sort of holding role at Wanderers and maybe you know uh, and I don't know who guy in the plane. I've not I've not checked that much, but a dominant performance. Goals. Oh yeah, Granada. Okay, so it might might persuade uh, Lennon to maybe shift him a little bit further forward, trying to try and utilise his talents in that respect. Yeah, possibly. We've got a lot of options further forward, haven't we? Midfield, even with the injuries. Adam yeah, Johnson he, being one of them. What can you say about the man? He, he continually, well, he doesn't really surprise, does he? Because he's been a, he's been a class act for the best part of 20 years. Um, yes, yeah, so it was his first goal in six seasons as well. I, I didn't know he was the top scorer for the national side either, but uh, he got the opening goal, didn't he, against Kazakhstan in a qualifier uh, on Saturday. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I was just idly browsing uh, Twitter before I was going out on the town and it exploded. Next thing you know, vines are popping up of either scoring them up. Nice little uh, side-footed finish. It just... Sum the man up, doesn't it? Really, he's a, I don't think I've ever seen him blast the ball. I don't think I've ever seen him smash it. It's just a careful, considered finish past the goalkeeper where he can't reach it. Takes his talent to twenty-five for Iceland. It's fantastic. Just think, it, 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 it really does bode well for, for the rest of the season. The Wonders for Ida and also for uh, for next season as well because I've yet to find anybody, even the most you know moronic moron, think that we shouldn't <laughs> re-sign Ida with Johnson. There's no 
there's no chance of that happening. And, and Lennon has made all, made comments in the paper of late as well to that effect. So I, I don't yeah. think we're going to be disappointed and we're going to be seeing either line up for anybody else uh, for the coming season. I think he's uh, his immediate future, uh, what's left of his career, will be uh, will be Bolton-based. It should okay. be, hopefully. Hope I'll so. be writing an article tomorrow about how we shouldn't sign him. No, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll write, I'll write the headline then. <laughs> Oh, my. All right, but just to finish up, um, in the past couple weeks, the announcement has come out that the World Cup in a few years' time in 2022 looks like it's going to be held in November and December, which really puts the entire world's football calendar into something of a confusing mess. Um, what did you guys think about the announcement? Mm, well, if you don't mind me jumping in there first, I, I'm all for it personally. I think we should be looking at, uh, at you know, organising our calendar around the World Cup. The World Cup's the Champions League is obviously the uh, most important club competition I would say in the world. But the World Cup is is is, is the, the bomb, isn't it? It's the top dog. So I think we should, if for one year, two years, whatever it takes to rejig the calendar to get uh, everyone prepared, then so be it. Whether we play a season, change the dates or something like that in order to uh, to fit in with it, then so be it. I think when the World Cup comes around, you've got to make a, you've got to make certain considerations and concessions in order for it to be the best competition it could be. And um, obviously, the, the human rights issues and everything like that going on in uh, in Qatar. If if you read Richard Keyes' Twitter account, which I highly recommend, it is a source of constant amusement every single day. Really, you'd have thought that Qatar was. The most advanced, progressive country in the world when it comes to uh, equal rights, human rights, um, <laughs> g- gender rights, etc. An absolute paradise. Um, but those issues aside, footballing-wise, I don't have a I don't have a problem with it. Um, Dan, what about yourself, mate? Yeah, I've, a lot of people have obviously been up in arms about it, and I've been a bit more like in the middle. Like, I don't think first off it should not it shouldn't have been held in Qatar. Like, I I like the argument of getting the World Cup to every part of the world, but it's pretty clear that some shady shady going-ons happened to get it there. And obviously, as you just alluded to, Qatar's not exactly the most welcoming nations in the world. But on the pure footballer side, I think if they put the World Cup final on Christmas Day, then it'd be the best Christmas Day ever. I, I can't see how people can argue with that. And then a, a summer of actual Premier League, so you can actually watch the sun instead of the freezing cold and pissing down rain. Absolutely. That sounds like that sounds that sounds like a dream. So in that regard, I don't mind. But you know, the only way to stop it, if everyone disagrees, is to just all the big countries just don't do it, and then it'll be right. But they won't do that. Money's <laughs> more important. Yeah, I, I think um, I think it's like, like you say, Dan. I, you're not sure it should be played there. Um, obviously, I don't know. Obviously, I think you are Dino. I, I went to Qatar in. In February, in there, <laughs> um, and you know, it was. I found it a lot more, more welcoming than I thought it would be. Um, I didn't have a lot of interactions with the locals because they are quite obviously keep themselves themselves, and it is an Islamic country. But I think it's, I think it's a good thing. I think we've got six years to plan for it. Um, surely we can work out the calendars. We can swap things around, and, and it's a one-off. Um, it's not going to go there again for another 40 years on the, on the rotation of the of the continents, you know, re- realistically anyway. It's a one-off in our lifetime, probably. Um, you know, I, I, I'm all for it, and I, the only, I think the only problem is it isn't that far away. It's only seven hours. Um, it's not overly expensive to fly there if you get the right deals, and 
the drinking in the open air. They're going to set up fan parks, I think, where they're going to allow drinking. But it, it's a huge part of the English culture when you go abroad. I went to World Cup Germany in a camper van 2006, and it was, it was amazing. But it is a worry that there's going to be hundreds upon hundreds and thousands of arrests of English people pissing on the <laughs> pissing on the motorways, nicking a camel in the desert and, and all sorts of nonsense going on. That's my big worry that we can't behave abroad. Not not us, not us four. If we went so it'd be alright, but um you know Yourself? the English public <laughs> the English public the people who go over there, hopefully will be the ones who can afford it. It'll be as I see manners but be, I think there'll be a lot of trouble in that sense, but I think actually hosting it there is a good idea. Um, and I will say that in case anyone from Qatar is listening so I can go back there. So, uh, yeah, no, I think it's a good idea, isn't it, there? Yeah, I what think, do you think um, sort of the same thing that, that Dan and Chris said. I have a problem with <clears throat> sort of the human rights issues, the essential indentured servitude of a lot of the people that are doing the construction, doing the building. Yeah. Plus just worry, the, the sheer size. I mean, it's it's a tiny, tiny little little country. It just doesn't seem a good choice to me. I mean, if if India were hosting and they had to move it to a different part of the year because of, you know, monsoon season or whatever, I'd be all for that. But this one, to, to give it to a country basically because they allegedly bribed a bunch of FIFA officials... Mm. And then, to- then it's just steady on. And it's, I, I don't think you can say that about FIFA. I mean, to my knowledge, there's never been any sort of corruption in FIFA. I did and, say and I did allegedly. Allegedly, strong, strong leadership from the top that's completely transparent, and uh, and that don't fight anybody <laughs> and sue anybody who dare says otherwise. But the other thing, the other thing for me is for the people that um, that don't go, um, that stay at at home, whether it's in the U.S. or somewhere in Europe. For me, some of the greatest football experiences of my life have been at the the outdoor parties the outdoor screenings of world cup matches you know whether it's in new york or in in madrid or in london or all these different places around the world and it's just a fabulous time you know it's five ten thousand people outside drinking cheering singing watching these matches and i think if it's november and december and it's two degrees out and there's snow on the ground, then you're kind of going to lose this great sort of social experience that people around the world have. Yeah, that's that true. Well, that's because of a, bit of, re- a bit, of a re- bit of rain and a bit of cold. Put a jacket on. Uh, there's some people <laughs> doing that. Flipping out. There's I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I know what you're saying, Dennis, but yeah. yeah there's some watching, people uh, watching international football, a lot of England fans, sounds like hell on earth. I don't know about watching USA. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think with with also just one final point on that. I mean, I'm a little bit a little bit concerned about. I went to watch um, a game, uh, a local team play Qatar SC uh, when I was over there, and and this, the stadiums are they're, they're lovely. You know, they're, they're not overly. Well, that one I went to wasn't overly so luxurious, but they had like VIP leather seats. You get in for a tenner and whatever. It was really good, but um, and I didn't see many stadiums of, of massive size and. The, you know, you, you can't just knock up a stadium and I suppose they've got six years, haven't they? But yeah, I'm a bit worried about the infrastructure, to be honest. It's a half-finished country and I, I don't know whether they'll yeah. finish it in time. Could we have another Brazil on our hands where they're literally testing the stadium days before, you know, the actual games? Oh. And it's a bit of a safety concern as well, obviously. Yeah, I think if it comes to it, there'll just be another few thousand Sri Lankan 
people that can uh, they can bury under the concrete at the main stand in order to get the stadium up in record time. Wow. They don't seem to be bothered. No, they don't seem to be bothered about people uh, people getting in the way of the master plan, from what I read, anyway. Yeah, the safety Possibly. concerns for the construction crews are not uh, not top shelf. No, no. So on no, that happy not... note, <laughs> <laughs> I think we can call that segment number one, our international discussion. We'll be back in just a moment with more local matters. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Line of Vienna Suite podcast. I'm Dan, I'm here with Dennis, Chris and Lee, and a fairly contentious article went up on the Line of Vienna Suite, uh, SB Nation the other day, and it got quite a reception. Um, it's about Neil Lennon apparently being overrated. Now, Dennis, would you like to explain yourself to the good listeners? I would love to. I think um, it's, it's calmed down a little bit now, <laughs> but when, when Lennon first started, his first couple months at Bolton, there was a lot of... A lot of hyperbole, a lot of excitement verging on hysteria about the job Lennon was doing, what an outstanding manager he is, how he's going to leave us for a bigger club, and all this sort of thing. And um, it just struck me as as a bit much, you know, a bit yeah. too much, a bit too fast. And then when when the form turned, and the form got really bad for... Yeah. For a period, you know, the last the last month, it's picked up a little bit. But I mean, yeah. for a solid month or so, we were in relegation yeah. form, maybe worse than relegation form. So I yeah. I wanted to take a look at the last three managers who also started in similar situations. Um, you know, the first half of the season after a really bad start by their predecessor. So I just kind of wanted to look at the numbers and see how Lennon stocked up. And um, people who only read the headline would <laughs> be surprised to know that he stocked up pretty well. And I think has done a, a decent job overall. In my belief, still has a lot to prove. I think the, the jury's still out on his... You know, I think I have... I have a confidence in him. I think summer will be very interesting. We'll really have a lot to do with with how successful he is and how successful the club are going forward. But um, I just wanted to see where he stood right now. Yeah, he, he compares fairly well to the other managers. I think he was just behind Friedman. And obviously Friedman had a great run of form in his first season. But um, I think a lot of people were contending in your argument, how you didn't, in your post, how you didn't really mention the injuries that Lennon's had to deal with. And I think that's a fair point because they're... Uh, the um, uh, running form, and it was really bad form. And not many people mentioned. A lot of the blame went to the players and not the manager. Whereas you said a few, t- um, you tweeted a few times that if it, if this was under Friedman, the blame would be on the manager and not the players. But um, obviously, we've had a few injuries. Prattley's been a big one. Uh, Clough, obviously, a big one though. Um, a few really bad injuries. So, um, so I can understand the argument as well. But I think you've made some good points and a balanced argument. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, um, well, I mean, I, I had a bit of time to scan the article before it went live on the website, and, and, and I guess I was guilty of, I, I saw the headline on the, the sort of back office thing we've got on the website, and, and I kind of thought, oh, uh-oh, here, you know, here we go. You were um, ready to kill no, me, I think. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think you're right. I think that as fans, if we look at ourselves, I think we could probably all confess that, that we're quite emotional beings. We fall in love quite easily, don't we? Um, <laughs> yes. 
Coyle, Friedman, I mean, Djokovic, for example, all, all, all have been lauded as, you know, the second coming of, uh, of Jesus Christ or Sean Ryder, depending on your, your religious preferences. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think we're, we're all been guilty of, 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 ex, of expecting maybe too much for him based upon his, his initial impact, which was so great. It was probably inevitable that we were going to suffer some kind of, uh, of mid to late season slump, given the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, He's just reorganising the same players that weren't good enough under a, new, a previous manager. Not all of a sudden going to turn Matt Mills into Gary Cahill, for example. You know, mm. so I think you know I, I speak with a, a little element of disappointment in my voice as somebody who put twenty quid on us to finish in the top half at twenty-two to one yeah. or whatever it was, and, and I see that four hundred and fifty yeah. odd quid that I thought was so secure sliding away mm. into the distance with every passing week. But yeah. You know, like you say, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I finish this a little bit in full agreement with you, Dennis. I think this summer's going to be a, uh, it's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be a busy one. We've already seen that he's not afraid of bringing in players when, as and when is required, and sometimes as and when isn't required. You know, there's going to be a big shake-up, and I'd be, a, I'd be surprised if five or six of the team that we see for the next game against Blackpool is it starts the next game of the of the, uh, of the forthcoming season at home to the QPR. Well, who do you think those players will be? Like who? Let's say. Start eleven first day of next season. Who in our yeah. squad now? Who that in our squad now starts the first day of next season? Okay, well, firstly, thanks for putting me on the spot and giving me no time to think about this. Yeah, um, if anyone else wants think, to jump in, go for it. Yeah, no, no, no. I think you're going to be looking at a new goalkeeper. You're probably going to be looking at at least one new centre out, uh, centre forward. Um, defence, we've not really had a, had a settled full back either side. I know Reem's been been fine there, no problem. But we'll call that a new right back. So that's three. And if you can imagine that we'll see, uh, you know, a couple of midfielders come in per- on a permanent basis. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Barry Bannon, but but who knows? So yeah, I think you can be looking at goalkeeper, fullback, a couple of midfielders, and a striker quite easily. Um, what do you think, Lee? Am I being a bit too, you know, a bit too bold thinking it's going to be such a, a big change? No, I think I think you're spot on. Um, I think we'll well, there's going to be a huge turnaround of stuff, isn't there? Because we've got you know, twelve players. 10 players on loan now with, with Jordan Lussie signing obviously until the end of the season he might be one for next season possibly yeah. or it could be another Andy Robinson like a few people well to be honest if you don't mind me just interrupting there he, I've got oh, well, well, lad, I, lad I know works at the club and he was telling me that uh, it's the same with that Mattia Bolben that Slovakian or Slovenian lad who's signed it's actually, yeah. uh, it's actually that Ian Brunskill that's done that deal um, yeah. basically, basically that Lussie's out of contract at the end of the season Brunskill knows him from his time at Liverpool um, and it's, right. it's more or less like more or less like a work experience loan, so we're not going to be seeing Lussie in the first team. I wouldn't have thought. No, no, a bit like Kellett's loan to United. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think there will be a huge turnaround of players, um, and we'll see we'll see a number coming in. But like I say, it's the it's the, it's the players who leave and what wages they're on, which will determine. The, yeah. the quality of players that we'll be able to get in because I don't think Davis, Eddie Davis is going to just give him three, four million quid to spend. He'll have to try and do what he did on transfer deadline day, ship enough out <laughs> to get enough in, uh, yeah. save the wages and, and put the wages where where it's needed up front, right back, 
centre midfield, like you say, yeah. possibly, although we have got a plethora of centre midfielders. But you've got to remember as well, people are saying sort of Prattley would be important next season. He's, he's not signed a new contract. He is out of contract as well in the summer. Yeah. There's only there's only Neil Dan so far out of our first team as who've actually signed yeah. a new one year one year extension. So at the moment, you're looking at a hell of a lot of players out of contracts, including Matt Mills, obviously Monaghan Bogdan, which we all know about and debated yeah. over over many times. There's going to be a, realistically, I think there's going to be probably five new players um, coming in and hopefully, you know, two of them will be Bannon and Amos. Uh, I think we all agree on that and Lafondra will be great as well but we'll have to see what we can raise for sparing Mido, the others, whether we can get this quality of uh, replacement in. What what do you think, Dennis? Well, when I was looking back, um, you talk about change, I realised even from Friedman's last couple matches, I looked at those and then looking at Lennon's last match against Wigan, only seven out of the eighteen in Lennon's squad were in were in Friedman's final squad. Right. So, I mean, there's a couple youth players that Lennon has brought through that that Friedman didn't. That you could argue, you know, could be included in that. But still, it's half the squad, if not yeah. more, that Lennon has changed in a very short period of time. And even some of them have been enforced changes though um, with injury. And well, I was going to say. Um, even with the injuries, you've also got 13 of our players that are out on loan. A couple of those, right. again, are youth teamers, but a lot of significant players, players that you would have expected to be in the first team, yeah, are out on well, loan. Here's, here's one for you. Mark Isles tweeted a couple of days ago, only 14 players have started 10 or more games for the club this season. That includes J- Chung Yong and Jay Spearing before they left the club. So that's what yeah. that's... 12, 12, 11 odd players who yeah. 10 or more appearances. It's, it's an unbelievably low number. And, yes, and I think you're right about Lennon, yeah. Lennon changing things. He's had no choice, but I think a lot of the time he's had, he's had one hand tied behind his back with that. Yeah. I think that's, that highlights just how the team's just not been able to have a chance to settle down and be in a consistent yeah. same team and just, I know, get used to each other and form cohesive partnerships. And that's why we're you know, stuck in the media, mediocrity in mid-table. I think the only time we did have a chance uh, to, to form a team that was sort of unchanged as such for maybe four or five games was when, when Lennon took over and we, you know, we, we, we won at Millwall 1-0. And, you know, we, we, I think it was, there was a spell where we kept a lot of clean sheet. I think we kept three and four or four and five. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's when we had a settled team and then it all went haywire, obviously, with, with some of the injuries and then obviously Chungi leaving in Jan and... You know, yeah. it, it, the only time we have had a settled team, it worked well, which yeah. mostly does. Look at Burnley last season; they had the change of team like they haven't done this season. The, if you're lucky with injuries and you keep a settled team, that's when you, that's when you start to see um, a run of results. I think you know it's like anything; continuity is important, isn't it? Well, well, what I worry about, it, especially in defensive terms, I mean partnerships are aren't they both up front uh, and, and at centre half? I should think as well, and. and Davit Mills, Wheater, it's been a bit of a rotation, hasn't it? I don't know if anyone's mm. had 10 or 15 games straight playing with one or the other before either form or injury is dictated that the, that the lineup changes. Yeah, yeah. Right, so, yeah. Um, if I could get back to, to Lennon for a second, yeah. what I kind of worry about a little bit is I think the, uh, the player acquisition is an important part because I think Lennon's experience prior to this was at Celtic where, you know, Celtic 
with Rangers relegated to the lower divisions because of financial issues, we'll say, basically the best 20 players in the Scottish League were on Celtic. And if there was a player in the top 20 that wasn't, then Celtic bought them at the next window. So I think his sort of change the game tactics were very much, well, we're not doing well, let's throw on some more players. Because no matter what we put on, they were better than who they were playing. I agree with that point, Dennis. I think, as well, when you look, he did sign, like, the Celtic could, with the Titans, they could just sweep up everything. Could sweep all the players up in Scotland, the best young talent. But Lennon was also very good at scouting his players and bringing them in, like um, Wanyama, Bear and KL when he was playing well, um, Fraser Foster, obviously, as well. So he has got an eye for a player in foreign leagues, which a market we haven't exploited very well since Allardyce left. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think we really need him to to do that because I think he needs the players. He need he can obviously get something out of players that are what I'd say, um, we call them role players, players that do one thing well or have like one specific skill. Uh. I think a good manager can find a way to use those players. Like, you know, a Dan's or a Pratley that are good at some things and not good at a lot of other things, he seems to have really found a way to get the best out of them. And I think that's going to be really yeah. important going forward. See, you say the one-row player type uh, player, obviously, but I think like I that's, that was my theory as to why Spear and Amido were the first to be shipped out, because they were so one-dimensional they couldn't do anything yeah. else. There, there was that's no flexibility there, was there? Uh, it's a weird bag. It will be an exciting summer, no matter what happens. Yeah, hopefully. And if Fingers crossed. Want to, uh... Otherwise, we'll all look daft, won't we, looking back at this in three months. <laughs> oh. I doubt that will ever change. Oh. So, it's bringing that segment to a close, then, guys. All right. Yeah, I'm not sure what I'm not sure what more we can add on there. Yeah, good discussion. Stay here for more LOV pod. All right, welcome back everybody to the Love Pod, and now we're getting on to looking at the future with a preview of our upcoming match next weekend against Blackpool. That's I do like the way you say uh, Love Pod, by the way, Dennis. <laughs> Thank you. I think it's LOV Pod for me, but you got the Love Pod. That's so nice. Thinking about a lovely little seaside town like Blackpool, I think it's it's appropriate. You've never been up here, Yeah, you've not been for a long time, have you? It's an absolute dump. <laughs> well, oh, man. At any rate, they do have a football club up there. That is Just about. Currently for now. For now. in for our now. division. Um, but maybe not for long. Dan, why don't you tell us about the, the form of the Seasiders? Yeah, as we all know, Blackpool have fallen on saddening, yet equally hilarious, bad times of late. <laughs> and they currently sit bottom of the table, Ten points behind the, t- the team closest near them, which is Millwall, and they they surprisingly drew the last match against Leeds United, which I suppose is a good point. But after, before that, they've lost six games on the trot, conceding sixteen goals in the process. So obviously, they're not they're not very good in the slightest. They're only they're only notable players are Gary Madden, the striker who scored against Leeds. Um, you played for Sheffield Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I thought he'd been prisoner. Think as well, lately, yeah, that's what I was thinking. But yeah. I didn't want to say anything. 
Um, mm. Andre Orlandi, who used to play for Swansea, creative player, but obviously not very good if he's playing at Blackpool. Um, Anthony Perkins, I believe his name is, little midfielder. I was quite impressed with him last season when I watched him play, but then um, then the only other player, they've got Nathan Del Fuenzo, who's obviously a bit shit, and uh, um, Darren O'Dee, the Irish centre-half, who seems to pop up every now and then. God, is he still going? Yeah, playing centre back with um, big the old lad Clark, who's captain of Huddersfield. Is he one of the uh, Lennon's boys at Celtic? Oh, you know him? No, he's been away for a while. I think he's been away yeah. from Celtic for a while. He played. Uh, he even went to Bulgaria and played there for a bit, something like that. Yeah, he played, he's, he's been away from Celtic for a while. Yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. Red, Redding as well, I believe. And obviously, mm. Redding Blackpool will also be without uh, the player we've loaned, um, Niall Maher, but he didn't play in the last game anyway, so. I doubt it's much of a loss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, obviously the the big in, the impetus for this game is that if we win, if we beat Blackpool and Rotherham win their game, we will be sending Blackpool down, which is always oh, oh. always always fun. But we never seem to do it. Like last season, we we couldn't send Birmingham down. Um, and I I have a strange feeling that we'll draw with Blackpool because that just seems to happen a lot. So, what do you think, Lee? What What do you reckon Saturday will unfold? Um, I think it depends what it depends what team we put out in a way whether it can be like a sort of a cohesive unit enough you know from the people coming back from internationals like Dan's and people coming back from suspension and and you know it just depends kind of what we what we put out on the pitch so I think what what as long as we put a, a reasonable team out who can play with each other we'll we'll beat them I think you know they're, they're away from. Like you said, you just said they drew the last game of Leeds at home, one all. But that's on the the donkey pit, you know, the donkey uh, run that's yeah. their pitch. Obviously, you know, I think away from home, I think the I think they've lost. They must have lost about ten of the last eleven. I'm not actually double check that. Yeah, they've, they've not. They've, they've definitely, definitely not won in ten overall. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're just um, they should be there for taking. Like I say, I don't think our lad uh, Niall May has been playing there every week. He's played the odd game. No. Sub a few games. He's not started a lot. There is talk he will he will sign there permanently, especially if they're in League One. It'd probably be more his his level, probably. But um, I'm not seeing him play to be fair. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they've got a lot of um, some mismatch mismatch of players there. I think they're the only team who've used more players than us this season. I think they've used something like 47. Obviously, they started the season with about eight players. 52. Um, so who knows? Yeah, 52 is it? Yeah. Well, I don't, who knows who they're going to they're going to put on the pitch? Like I say, we've heard of a few. I think it might be David Perkins who plays in midfield. Oh, is that his name? Sure. I think, yeah, I think it's, long, I think it's a little blonde deadline. Yeah, he's played for Barnsley. Yeah. Yeah, he's older. Yeah. He's about 30, 31. He's yeah. a bit. Out, so I thought he was a bit younger than he was. But yeah, he's, a, he's an industrious type, and they'll certainly have a few players who'll, who'll uh, you know, the, we underestimate him at our peril. I mean, it is the type of game that typically Bolton will fuck up in, really, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. But um, I think I think we'll win. I think it'll be three-one. Um, and I just think it would be funny if they went down but I think well they know they're going down anyway it's not going to be some huge outpouring of grief from the uh, Tangerine fans will it I don't think I think they've, they've resigned themselves to it a long long time ago probably even before the season started I've got a got a friend who, who's you know, had a season he's got a season ticket he got it as a birthday present off his uh, parents it's the worst worst birthday present he's ever had and he feels obliged to go he said he's, just, he's, he's had enough he's not going anymore so uh, yeah, we, we should send them over. We should send them down, and we can all we can all be happy we've done that. So, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it, I hate being overconfident about watching Bolton. A lifetime of watching him has, has proved it's usually a, a bit of a daft thing to do. But yeah, you should think that we'd have enough about ourselves to uh, to, to get the three points on Saturday. I was, I was just scanning the the stats earlier on. 
they've conceded exactly two goals per game on average, um, mm. scoring just about one. Um, scoring just about one. Now our average isn't that, that much different, to be honest with you. It's uh, it's better, obviously, but it's going to be a goal laden game. I, I fancy us to get three or four, um, but at the same time, knowing our our sort of porous defence, I'm, I'm going to go four one. Slightly more optimistic, and, and, and again. Not really anyone to look out for on the Blackpool team. I think they're all pretty much resigned to uh, to their fate, aren't they? And especially if we can relegate them, they'll probably be grateful of that uh, of that happening, so they can then make a start on planning for next season. I mean, personally, yeah. I- I've watched them with with a little bit of sadness because I've got nothing against Blackpool. You know, they were, for a time they were quite a nice team to watch under Holloway back in the day with Brem. Um, yeah, definitely. Since, since they appointed that useless pisshead Clark, I've just got nothing but nothing but uh, disappointment for the supporters and. And I hope Lee Clark gets everything that he, he deserves, which is unemployment and then never working again in football. He can devote his time fully to, to getting pissed on a park bench in Blackpool that he seems to like doing so much. But they've only won four games out of 39. They've not won in 10. Now, if, you, if you're a fan of stats and averages, so they're going to win, what, one in 10, approximately? And they've not won in 10, and they're coming to play Bolton Wanderers. So, oh, you know, you can read into that what you like, but no. All, all messing about the side, I, I should think we'd have enough uh, to turn them over turn them over relatively comfortably. I'm going to go 4-1. Dennis, do you want to uh, finish off a bit of a prediction on that one? Well, um, I would expect that it'll probably be 2-2 with <laughs> Blackpool getting their equaliser in, what, the 95th minute? Yeah, <laughs> the magic of clock. Rob Hall's left, so we know that he won't be letting, he won't be letting losing possession for us to let one in. Maybe, but I can tell you... Uh, when I first arrived in Bolton at uni, um, sort of the the second day I was there, I went to the uh, International Student Association event, and that first event, sort of my my second or third day in England, was a trip up to Blackpool. So I had the, the distinct pleasure of being introduced to English culture, if you will. <laughs> emphasis emphasis the, on the stink, I think, Dennis. With my first trip to Blackpool, and it was rainy, and, you know, just... That's uh, pretty much every single trip to Blackpool I've taken the last 15 years, I think. <laughs> rain stinks as shit. The funny thing <laughs> is, when I was getting on the bus, the description I was given was, it's the Las Vegas of England. <laughs> well, something like that. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if Las Vegas is a, uh, a dirty, dank hovel full of drunk Scottish people being sick on the pavements, and yes, suppose it is. Yeah. It may well a place be. full of lost dreams. <laughs> no such thing as a dream in Blackpool. That's my primary experience with, with Blackpool. Well, that's not what we asked you then, so come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told you, 2 2. Lady Eliza. Honestly, 2 2. Yeah, I think that's what it'll probably be. See, I think I think we're due a, we're due an absolute battering. We haven't bat. When was the last time we battered someone proper? Leeds last season. We've not oh, battered anyone since. Yeah. yeah, long yeah. time ago. We need we're due we're due, we're definitely due one. But I just I have a nerve. I don't think I think we'll either edge it like two nil maybe or we'll draw one one. That there's there's my two cents. You're an optimist. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting sort of that in that time the season now isn't it where we've not got particularly a lot to play for except like I said my uh, my own betting my own financial well-being we're, uh, we're on 45 points at the weekend we can only go up one place if we do win um, and that's assuming that Brighton and uh, and Birmingham City don't win themselves um, yeah. so there's not a great deal riding on it and, and we're in average form 
last three games, one lost and drawn. So we're not doing particularly fantastically well ourselves. Um, but you know, it, it's Baltimore Andrews, isn't it? It could go could go either way. It could go the way you don't expect, or it could go a third way that we've not, not even considered yet. Well, as we mentioned earlier, we've got a a lot of players playing for contracts. Um, a lot of loan players playing for their future. Yeah. I'm never sure whether that's a good thing or bad thing because some of them could be sort of going for personal glory over team success. But you I think Lennon Len, Len can see through that kind of bullshit. Though, can't you? I, I don't think he would take any, uh, take any shit, so to speak. And I, I think any chances they were only in it for themselves, only in it to try and earn a contract at, you know, at somewhere else or at Wanderers. I think he would uh, he would see through that, and, and he wouldn't be here next season. I think he, he's a sort of boss who, who knows what he wants. He knows the sort of player he wants, and I, and I fancy him to go out and, and get most of them. Let's just hope we don't lose him to Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> Careful strategy of losing and losing half a dozen games in the last ten or twelve of the season. Just I think I think that I think that ship that that ship has sailed. I think even if, for example, a, a Leicester job or a whole job came up, or you know someone like that. Three months ago, yeah, no worries. I'd have been a bit worried about Lennon uh, disappearing, but no, I think that ship is sailed. I think we, we're pretty safe with him for the next 12 months. Yes, open. All right, so I think that finishes up our Blackpool preview. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment with our favorite part of the pod where we get to interact with our listeners via Twitter. Thank you. Welcome back to the uh, Love Pod. I'm here with Lee. Dennis, Chris and Dan, and this is the main event that you've all been waiting for, true uh, wrestling style. Uh, this is the twi- uh, Twitter question, and uh, we've got some of your responses here um, to the question posed today. I'll pass you over to Chris now, who can uh, talk you through those. Chris? Cheers. Right, so uh, to crack on straight away, because I need to go and get myself another lemon sip in a minute, but let's crack on. Uh, Twitter question uh, for today, Sunday the 29th. Uh, should we sign Adam LaFondra as our main striker for next season, or should we look elsewhere? Uh, first response came from friend of the pod, uh, Young Caesar, J at J Eddie. Uh, Dom Dwyer should be the number one target. Nobody else will do. I'm not sure if he's deliberately quoting uh, Mariah Carey there, or if it's just an accident. Dom Dwyer, I believe, is uh, a striker playing for Orlando in MLS. Um, Dennis, do you know anything about him? I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but I, I must confess I know nothing about Dom Dwyer. I don't know anything about him either. Fair enough, let's move on then swiftly from that one. Uh, next comment, we've got Mark. Have you got iTunes set up yet, Mark? Thank you for that comment. Um, it's got nothing to do with the Twitter question, so we'll disregard that for this week. Uh, but the short answer is no, Apple are being massive bastards. Uh, next question, Jack Stewart, and I've just clicked on the wrong bit. One second, boys. Sorry about that, that's unprofessional. Here we go. Uh, right, Jack Stewart would be nice. Uh, no, Alf would be nice, not Jack Stewart would be nice. I'm sure Jack's nice. Um, Alf would be nice. I don't think we can afford him unless Cardiff really want to ship him out. I think we need to look at Freeze. Uh, that's fair enough. We'll talk about that as we come along in a little bit as well. Uh, Chris Manning, 90 Manning 83. I think he's out of our range. Could see Lenny going for one of Stokes or maybe Gadetti from Celtic. Good point. Well made. Uh, we'll talk about that later on. Uh, Mark Yasilevsky, um, <laughs> friend of the site, Mark Yasilevsky, uh, always missed on the website. Welcome back at any time. Future podcast attendee as well, I believe. Well, uh, yes, if the money is right. If not, perhaps someone to hold the ball up and provide service to Clough. Excellent point. That moves on to uh, the next one, which comes from Josh Bramwell at Josh BWFC. Um, if Burnley stay in the Prem, perhaps try and get Duke back. 
we always play better with a target man who can hold the ball up. Uh, I think you'll find a few people in agreement with that. Uh, Matt Wood, yeah. at, at underscore Wood34. Alf will be brilliant, but it's never going to happen. We need more than one striker. Well, I think we all agree with that. Uh, procrastinator Geo, the Don Giovanni. We should get a better striker if that's possible. Sage advice there for Neil Lennon from, uh, from Don Giovanni. Um, we're coming to the end now. Stuart, Stuart 80 BWSC. If I had a choice and it was possible, I'd rather bring back Duke and pair him with Fluff. Very interesting comment there. Uh, I think that's one that gets a, a little bit of uh, a bit, a bit of love from the Love Boys here. And to finish off, we've got Jimmy Hadfield. So for the Cats mum. Uh, Jimmy, we hope the Cats both very well this evening. Strict straight to the point with a great big massive Daniel Bryan style. Yes, 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 yes. So bringing it back to the, uh, to the, uh, the most popular response, I think that means pairing Duke with Zach Clough, which uh, I don't mind saying gets my juices tingling just a little bit. Um, Lee, what do you think about that sort of combination going into next week? I've not really thought of that, to be honest. Um, I think that would that does sound very, very interesting. And um, I think it's eminently achievable with with the fact that Vokes is coming back for Burnley. Um, the thing is, obviously, if Burnley do stay up, um, they're going to look for someone clearly better than Duke, I think. Uh, I think Vokes is the first well, let's not forget, Danny Ings is looking like... Exactly, yeah. I was just about to say so that, that might be a barrier. Yeah, exactly. Like if it, well, Ings is going to go either way, isn't he, it looks like. So, you know, they're going to need... It's whether they can release a player like him or whether they need him for the squad. I mean, don't forget, they've got Sordell as well, who's barely had a barely had a, a minute on the pitch in the Premier League anyway. And um, We don't want him back, by the way. We'll, we'll definitely have Duke <laughs> instead of him. Um, but, uh, yeah, Duke, Duke and Clough should work. I, what I see Clough is, is though... Just having that little position behind two strikers, personally, just maybe. But that's Mark Davis's position. We've got probably and Ida's as well. We have probably got <laughs> those three are all the same. Need the same position to flourish as much as possible. So we're going to have to look whether we do play Clough right up top with a, with a partner like Djokovic or maybe Craig Davis if, if we keep him on. We've got Max yeah. Clayton as well. But yeah, we've, we've got we have and got a lot of exciting players. Yeah, well, yeah, possibly. We could have too many of the type, similar type players. That might be our yeah. problem next year. And Duke would be necessary if Craig Davis isn't staying on. Definitely, I think I that'd think, be a great, great show. I personally think Duke is uh, is an upgrade on Craig Davis, and, and most yeah. importantly, Duke's got a bit of a track record in spending more than three weeks on the pitch without getting injured as well, which is uh, which is all important. Yeah, he has been injury prone at times, but um, I think for Middlesbrough and so on, but uh, not to the extent of Craig Davis now. But uh, no. Yeah, I think um, that that sounds great for me. Um, that that would be the, the thing. It's it's like a Spearing type signing, isn't it? When Spearing came back on on loan to great acclaim, bringing Duke in would just get everyone on side as well. It would just be a, a perfect signing to get the to get the crowd on board before the start of the season as well, which is is always a help. I think so well too. Yeah. Do you remember the, uh, the the sort of delirium on the when the Spearing signing that sort of came out of nowhere, didn't it? The, all of a sudden, one day I was I was idly wasting time at work when I should have been doing other things, and next thing I know, we've, uh, we're announcing that Jay Spearin signed. Happy days. <laughs> I was, I, yeah, I, I even watched. Sorry, Dan. Sorry, Dan. I was just saying the the elation didn't last long as we soon found out he wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it goes back to what we say, saying, when we do fall in love quite easily. Let's hope Duke would come back and put one foot in front of the other in the right order. Yeah, we fall yeah. out of love quite easily as well, though, don't we? As we've seen. That's true. Uh, a few players, so uh, let's hope if we do sign Duke again, we give him our full support and not berate him if he misses an open net or something. But yeah, uh, that that's that's a, I think that's a 
the ideal scenario to bring him back, I think, would be that would be a huge, huge fill Agreed. in for the club. Agreed. Now, Dan, just to move on to you next, the, the other yeah. sort of all pervading sentiment is that we, we do go with LaFondre. In what circumstances do you think that might be possible? Do you think we'd have to sell two or three, you know, first teamers, Reading, for example, etc.? Yeah. And would that be worthwhile? You need to stop hurting my feelings by saying we should sell Reem for for, <laughs> for starters. That's like, I think I always that doing it on purpose now. Mate, 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 mate. I think I always sell blast. Well, I sell blasts at the minute. You'd say Mark Davis with two years on his contract. If people still believe he's good, you know, good enough for higher level, then Clough, Vela, there are, and then Spearing, Mead, or them type of players who we need shipping out. There are only sellable assets, and I don't know if they could. Obviously, Lafondra's got. Two years left in his contract, signed for nearly three million last summer. I don't see, realistically, I don't see a world in where we can raise the funds appropriate in the first place and then be allowed to use them all on one player when we need to balance out the whole squad. Personally, even though I think, I think Lafondra hasn't really set the world alight as I thought he would have to be, would have done to be honest with you. Like I like him. I think he works hard and he's a striker who relies on service a lot more than others. But I think he's just. I think he falls to the floor a lot quite easily and looks for free kicks when if he keeps going he can get past players and I think he's just not he's not exactly disappointed, just not lift up to possible well, maybe too high yeah. expectations. He had a couple of rough weeks didn't he where nothing, yeah. nothing was really going right for him. And and regarding the sort of chucking himself to the floor thing, I remember saying to to my brother that when we signed LaFondra, one of those players that I've always always hated him playing against us because he was a right yeah. n- nasty, nippy little not yeah. afraid of taking a bit of a tumble if it means getting a free kick for his team and basically yeah. doing the uh, doing the right thing by his team. And now now he's ours, of course. We can totally ignore that yeah. and pretend that he doesn't but do it. And he's a bit like Paul, Paul Dickov, isn't he? Like Paul Dickov. Perfect example. Perfect example. I, I, I disagree. I think he is. I think he's a he's a snappy little terrier of a finisher and, and I don't really think he's got much else to his game. But, it, but what he does well, nobody else in our team can do and I think that makes him a yeah. must buy. I've found, though, that he hasn't won many free kicks from falling over. He's won the odd one, but he's lost mm. the ball a lot more than he would have if he had stayed up. But anyway, I like him. I'd love to see him signed on, but I believe I I agree with the sentiment that we need more of a target man because, as I ranted about on last week's podcast, Craig Davis, his last four games, has missed four sitters in a row. I could half excuse him on his first game back, a bit rusty and whatnot, but four games back, the Wigan game, he played for excellently by Heskey. This bad touch sent him wide, and then other the the sitter against Ipswich. So I think we need a new target man. And every mention of Duke makes my heart beat a little bit faster. Those fans <laughs> of my poetry, fans of my poetry out there, every now in poetry, will know how much I just want to see Duke if back in our team. But again, I don't, yeah. I don't the chances of that, and I'm not going to strain my heart too much over it. I think Let me just have a quick look on the Twitter. I'm just have a quick look on the Twitter account. See if you've had any fans of your poetry get in touch. Uh, no, we've not. Right? Okay. Hey, hey, hey! Two thousand views on that. <laughs> 2,000 views. I'll live, <laughs> I'll live and die. And Kevin Davis read it and he unblocked me. You <laughs> know I like it. You know I like it, lad. <laughs> i tell you what, I just had a styling realisation though. I only just realised just then why people call LaFondra Alfie because of ALF. I just always forget take- ALF. No, you just realised. No, just realised it right then. <laughs> Good to me, man. I never got it. I never knew why until right now. I'm amazed that you managed to log on to this Skype call properly if you don't even realise that ALF stands for Alf. Bloody hell. I, never, I just never clicked. I never, I never said it like that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Do you know why people call Call of Duty COD? I don't need to explain that one to you. Well. Oh, I get that. I get that one. It's not because you like, like 
Do you get the, uh, the fish and chips? Right. Yeah. Get the love pod done. Settle down. <laughs> Getting back to uh, there's no Bolton Wanderers to talk about, Dennis. We're gonna have to talk about daft stuff. Come on. <laughs> well, getting back to Lafandra, um, I could see a situation similar to what happened last year with McNaughton, where he kind of he goes back, he plays a couple matches in and out of the squad, and then eventually ends up coming back to us on loan again. Mm. Maybe also for, for three Mason, months. Yeah something like that and then maybe in january they try to sell him again so i think there's a there's a good chance we get him but it might not be yeah. at the beginning of the season yeah i agree with that i could see him coming on loan if they can't if they can't ship him off in the summer because there's some weird things going on in cardiff i don't even know if they have any strikers left since they've loaned well, like jones as Cameron jones to bournemouth yeah yeah rumor yeah, has so. it rumor has it that they're um they're, they're, they're hemorrhaging players in, in a sort of Leeds united scenario that tam's pulling out yeah. and uh, and that they're oh, going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at a serious, uh, serious departure list over the course of the summer. So recouping, recouping money where they possibly can, be it alone, be it a permanent deal for someone like yeah. uh, Alfonso or, or Alpha, as he's known to his friends, it is is, is maybe, <laughs> maybe not as unlikely as you maybe thought it was. No, possibly. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, what what is it with Cardiff? Like, do we have a hotline direct to Vincent Sands, like private lair? What what is what is it like? <laughs> Why are we signing so many players? On? We'll be linked with another four or five players on loan from the start of next season, I'm sure. So we'll see, yeah. see who else we can just drive up the uh, M6 or whatever it is, M3. I want, I want my there, goalkeeper. Yeah, he's a goalie, isn't he? I can't remember his name. Marshall. David Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like winning against Gibraltar today, can't we? That bloody good. Shite. <laughs> Absolute shite. <laughs> so, fair enough, yeah. fair enough. All right, oh, lads, I think that's another LOV pod or love pod. In the oh, game. Dennis, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree the best yet. I thought that's a really good one. Well, I mean, I've, I've been saying to this, lads, in the uh, in the behind-the-scenes Facebook message group that uh, if you just ignore Liam for one week, I think there's every chance we can break records. And... <laughs> sorry, Dennis, sorry, that was meant, sorry, sorry, that was meant for the private group afterwards. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> On that note... Thank you, everyone. Do you want to uh, tell the people where they can find you on on Twitter, Lee? Go on then. Uh, yeah, it's at Trotter Tenzo, and uh, yeah, give me a tweet, and I'll uh, I'll respond, no doubt. Dan, I am as as you know, probably hopefully I am at Nebraska. Come and say hello if you so desire. Chris, uh, at nineteen Manning eighty three. Alright, and I'm at Dennis R. Chase, and of course you can find all of us on Line of Vienna Suite, often. Have a good week!